So we are in that second week of Lent, and we're looking closely at our inward journey, a journey that begins in our heart and it begins in our soul, and it is a journey that also needs to be seen by how we live our lives, an outwardly manifestation that can be seen in how we serve the world and how we treat other people. You know, a spiritual journey that changes us on the inside and does nothing for us on the outside, cannot be seen by anybody else, I'm here to tell you that is absolutely no change at all. It is meaningless. So you have greater love now. How does it show up? So you have greater belief now. How does it manifest? How does it make a difference in who you are and in how you live? My friends, if that's what we're proclaiming, then the only thing we have proclaimed is pseudo-transformation. And let's be honest, sometimes we'll take pseudo-transformation because we see no transformation at all. We see no growth. And so we claim, oh, you know what? I heard that sermon, and there was that good idea, and I felt a little twinge in my heart when the pastor said something, so that must count for something. I must be a better person. Now, let's really get down to brass tacks, right? Let's not fool ourselves. You know, worship, fasting, Bible study, prayer, really all the spiritual disciplines should be evident in the way that we live our lives. There ought to be a change within us. You know, a growth in our maturation. A spirit that is calm. A nature that is loving and always looking out on behalf of other people. A heart that is continually expanding in Jesus Christ. You know, love is not just an attitude. Love's not just a feeling. My friends, love is an action. Love is a commitment. Love is a covenant. You know, Pastor Chuck Swindoll tells this story. Did you hear about the guy who fell in love with an opera singer? He hardly knew her since his only view of the singer was through binoculars from the third row balcony. But he was convinced that he could live happily ever after married to a voice like that. He scarcely noticed that she was considerably older than he was, nor did did he care that she walked with a limp. Her mezzo-soprano voice would take them through whatever might come. Well, after a whirlwind romance and a hurry-up ceremony, they were off on their honeymoon. She began to prepare for their first night together, and as he watched, his chin dropped to his chest. She plucked out her glass eye, and she plopped it into a container on the nightstand. She pulled off her wig. She ripped off her false eyelashes, She yanked out her dentures. 
She unstrapped her artificial leg, and then she smiled at him as she slipped off her glasses that hid her hearing aids. Stunned and horrified, the man gasped, For goodness sake, woman, sing, sing! It's a reminder that love's not always easy. But you know what? If love were easy, God would have never made it a commandment. If love were as easy as we think it ought to be, Jesus would have never had to go to the cross. I mean, our gospel lesson reminds us of how deep and dear love is. How much love costs. You know, everyone has heard and knows John 3.16. It is the most memorized verse in the entire Bible. Preachers for centuries have been expounding on these words. The great reformer Martin Luther called John 3.16 the gospel in miniature. I mean, Luther felt that everything about God's love and the provisions of a sinful, broken world were contained in those 23 words. I mean, think about it. For God, the greatest one, so loved to the greatest degree, the world, the greatest amount of people that God gave, the greatest generosity, his only begotten Son, the greatest uniqueness, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes in him, the greatest simplicity, should not, the greatest certainty, perish, the greatest possible loss, but the greatest difference, have the greatest possession, eternal the greatest length, life, the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that God gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's love. That's the good news. That's the whole purpose and reason for the coming of Jesus. Now, there are different meanings for the word love, right? We can talk about romantic love. We can talk about the love that we share for our friends or parental love, love for our pets, which in my household may be the strongest kind of love. We love our jobs. We love movies. We say we love our cars. You know, even the king, you know, Elvis Presley, wanted ladies to love him tender, right? But you know what? All of these definitions fall short when it comes to talking about God's love. One of the ways we talk about God's love is as agape love. That agape is the Greek we pull that out and we say, what is agape love? It's the kind of love that is an unselfishness which results in doing the best for another even at the highest personal cost to yourself 
without requiring or expecting any payback. Boy, I hope you heard that, so I'm going to say it again. God's love, or agape love, is the kind of love that is an unselfishness which results in doing the best for someone else, even at the highest personal cost for you, without requiring or expecting payback. I think that's one of the things, ways that we love, is we love, I love you so that you can share your love with me. I mean, it's a give and take kind of love, isn't it? But it's not a perfect love. I mean, what if I keep giving and you never say anything back and our relationship's kind of built on that? At some point, I'm probably going to stop telling you how much I love you. But if I really don't care that you love me, that my self-worth is not bound up in the fact that you love me and I can just love you for the sake of loving you and I can keep loving you and keep giving to you and keep giving myself. Now, isn't that a special love? And that's the love that God's always talking about in agape love. All the other kinds of loves are basically, I love you, and in so doing, you love me, and to be honest with you, it's only an ex I love you is an extension of you loving me. Because of the give back. But you know, God does love us with an amazing love. So the question is, do we really believe it? Do we really understand the depths of God's love for each of us? Because I think if we really did understand it, it really would bring about transformation. And that we really do need to spend time daily trying to ponder the depths of God's love for our hearts. Because we would be different people if we did. We would be changed. Right? I mean, one of the things to think about is God knows you. God knows everything about you. God knows all of your past. God knows all of your mistakes. And God loves you in spite of those mistakes. Now that's love. To know somebody as broken and vulnerable and imperfect and then to truly love them for who they are is amazing. You know, it's also something, it's Communion Sunday. We actually are going to see this in our communion liturgy, right? When we come to the part of confession and pardon, and we're going to actually quote the Apostle Paul out of the book of Romans. And what does it say? Christ died for you while you were yet a sinner. Notice what it doesn't say. Christ died for you when you became worth dying for. 
No, you're a sinner. You're other than God. You're not holy. But God loves you. And even in your sinful state, our sinful state, God died for you. Does that not mean anything? This is what I mean by we need to ponder this because if we really ponder the true amazing love of Jesus Christ, how can we not be changed? How can that not have a difference? But do we also believe that God loves us and do we really believe that God loves the world, that God loves everyone else, that God loves all of creation? I mean, if we do believe in the all-powerful love of God, then it really should have an inside-out effect. It should change the way that we interact with other people. I mean, you might remember there was a song you may have learned when you were younger. It went something like this. They'll know we are Christians by our infighting. Is that how that song goes? Oh, it doesn't, does it? They're going to know we're Christians by what? Come on. There you go. Going to know we're Christians by our love. They're going to see that how we treat other people matters and makes a difference. Because we've been loved, we can love others, even those who are hard to love. And some of us might even say impossible to love. And the answer is, well, yeah. For you, they might be impossible to love. But for God and Jesus Christ, no. Because you know what? We all need to make sure that our love tank is filled. And how do we do it? We have to understand this. Because this is really important when we're talking about love. Where do you get your love from? Do you get your love out of the world? From other people, from other things, from pets? You know? This doesn't mean that those aren't invalid ways to get love. They, they're valid. But here's the thing. They're all secondary. Those are all secondary sources of receiving love. And you know what secondary sources do? They're limited. They run out. So if you have a significant other or a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend who you think is going to complete you because of how much they love you, you're in for a real shock. Because there is not going to be enough love there. That's a secondary source. But my friends, we have access to a primary source, right? And the primary source is the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that source is not limited, right? It's infinite. That source doesn't run out. That source can keep our tank full so that we can love others. So if you come to me and you say, Pastor, I am burned out, you know what you're saying? Pastor, I have used every secondary source of love I can find, and it's just not enough. And I'm here to tell you, well, you've got to tap the primary one. 
That's a vein that's worth it. Again, I'm not going to put down secondary sources. They're important. But let's make sure that we tap the love of God so we can give it away. And the other interesting thing is, the more you give away, the more you get. Right? I mean, I love to have this kind of image in my head. It also comes from Paul in Corinthians. And that is, we're all clay vessels. Clay vessels that are cracked and broken. Clay vessels that are all imperfect. But God fills that vessel. And not only does God fill it, but then it starts to overflow. And then all the vessels that are around us, what happens to them? They start getting that love of God in Christ Jesus because it overflows from us. This is a spigot we do not want to turn off. This is one that we want to live into because this is one that will change us, truly change us. No pseudo change, no the real deal. Because we're going to find ourselves truly loving others and loving those that are difficult to love. Preacher and teacher Tony Campolo tells this story. Joe was a drunk, miraculously converted in a street outreach mission. Before his (coughs) conversion, he'd gained a reputation as a derelict for whom there was no hope. But following his conversion to Christ, everything changed for him. Joe became the most caring person at the mission. And he spent his days there doing whatever needed to be done. There was never anything that he was asked to do that he considered beneath him. He cleaned up vomit And he scrubbed toilets. And Joe did it all with a heart full of gratitude. He could be counted on to help anyone, to feed anyone, and to love anyone who wandered off the streets. One evening after the mission director delivered an evangelistic message to the usual crowd of sullen men with drooped heads, One of them looked up and came to the altar. It was there that he kneeled down and began to pray. The man cried out to God, God, help me change. The repentant drunk kept shouting over and over, Oh God, make me like Joe. Oh God, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. The director leaned over and said, Sir, wouldn't it be better if you prayed, make me like Jesus? The man thought for a moment and then said, I don't know. Is he anything like Joe? My friends, I got something risky I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do this 
because I feel it's important. So I want you to ask someone who's close to you. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a parent. Ask them, do you see Jesus Christ in me? Do you see me growing in Christ? Am I getting better? Even if it's three steps forward and two steps back, am I making some progress? Now be careful. Again, it's risky because the prayer is you're going to hear the truth. And I hope that when you hear the truth, whether that truth is, yeah, I can see that in you, or you know what, I don't see it as much as maybe I should. And you go, you know what, thank you for that. I need to live into that relationship more. I need to allow that love to get really deep inside me so it can make an outward change. Because God so loved us, shouldn't that be the love that others see coming out of us? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.